You're listening to 90% Mental, Conversations with Grant Parr, Episode 147. Today, mental performance coach Grant Parr sits down with Thane Ringler, former professional golfer and performance coach, where he shares his journey of self-discovery, his life after sport, and how important it was for him to learn the skill of reframing and honoring the process. Thane talks about how learning from your failures is critical and how he took a lesson from every bad shot in his golfing career. Now a performance coach, Thane is thriving by being in service and helping people tap into their most confident self. What would more wins, higher productivity, or quicker recovery mean for you? NeuroPeak Pro optimizes human performance by working to promote balance within the autonomic nervous system. Used by the world's elite athletes, this training program is now available to you at home. Cutting-edge neuroscience and technology allows you to strengthen your brain remotely, anytime, anywhere. Schedule your evaluation and get started with your brain training today. Visit NeuroPeak Pro and receive a 10% discount by using the promo code GRANTPAR. interested in a full body resistance training system to achieve your athletic and fitness goals, the mass suit from Juke Performance is your answer. The mass suit is a full body resistance training suit that you wear during your exercising or sport specific training to enhance your speed, strength, power, agility, and endurance. You are fully mobile and it's great for plyometric and high intensity training. It engages all muscle groups simultaneously and increases to a 50% caloric burn. Check out the mass suit at jukeperformance.com and other fitness-related products and make sure to use the promo code GRANTPAR, one word, G-R-A-N-T-P-A-R-R, for your 10% discount. Hey, Thane, how are you? I'm doing well, Grant. Thanks for having me on today and excited to share this conversation with you. Man, me too. It's really hard to kind of to kind of share with my listeners what we're going to be talking about because there's so much that we're going to be talking about in the next half an hour. And there's so many things that you've done life after professional golf within the last five years. So there's going to be tons of things that we're going to talk about as far as what you're doing with your online training and how you're impacting people and your podcast and your books. And man, it's this goes on. So I'm really excited to have you on my show. Thanks so much. It's uh, it's a journey. We are all on that journey together as humans and uh, everyone's past unique. So it is quite a, a story, but um, so is everyone else's too. <laughs> right, right. I, I agree with you. So let's get into it, man. Let's, let's talk about um, my favorite theme and my consistent theme here on the show is mental toughness. So when you think about that and, and you're reflecting on your whole career as a professional golfer and what you've been doing for the last half decade now, what does mental toughness mean to you? Yeah, I love that question and the theme of your show because it's such an under-discussed thing. Um, uh, for, to me, what mental toughness really means is, is this idea of never settling, uh, never settling for less than you're capable of. And, and why it kind of revolves around that is because it takes discipline. It's a less tangible discipline than any others, in my opinion. <laughs> and, and golf is a sport where you see that front and center, you have to have the mental resilience, toughness, and discipline to have belief in a shot that you haven't hit yet, even after hitting a bad shot, right? And that's like where the rubber meets the road is like, right. 
I don't even know if I fully believe this, but I have to believe this in order to hit another good shot after hitting a bad shot. Right. Um, and, and that's where that intangible thing becomes really tangible by the result of that shot. <laughs> so, exactly. Um, I, I think it's all about never settling for less than you're capable of, which is ultimately discipline. And it's the hardest discipline muscle to exercise because it's less visible and it's less tangible. You can't see it getting stronger, but you can just sense it and feel it. And there are some fruit, but it's, it's slow and it's a long process. You know, you, you talk about uh, getting over a bad shot in golf. You know, I've always talked about this on my show and also when I'm working with golfers that, you know, just, just the, the thought of taking a really thin stick and a really small ball and trying to hit it, you know, 200, 300 yards and put it in a very small hole, just that alone is tough. The hardest part, I believe, is actually controlling your thoughts and emotions between each swing and each hole because there's so much time. There's so much stuff that can go on between your two ears, right? Totally. So when you were playing, like, how did you get over a, a bad shot? Because in sport, when I'm working with athletes, when they don't get over, when I say they, anybody that has a mistake within their sport, and they don't get over it, they don't let it go, they don't get the lesson, it becomes an emotional bag of shit. And it gets shitty and stinkier if you keep on bringing that around with you throughout your performance. So I'm just kind of interested, like, how did you get over a bad shot? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of different uh, routes. I think everyone's a little bit different in that. For me, what I really honed in on was uh, two things. One would be reframing. um, Mm. And then the other would be process. So in the sense of reframing, it's just what you just mentioned even before we click record is that, you know, in every crisis, there's an opportunity. And the same thing in every bad shot, there's an opportunity for an amazing recovery shot or a really fun, creative shot that you hadn't planned on hitting because now you're in the woods and in the trees and you have to find a way out. Right. <laughs> um, so it, it's an op. If I can reframe after hitting a bad shot, Oh, now I get to have fun or be more creative or have a really epic comeback that sets me in the right mindset. Um, and, and with that, it also takes kind of reminding myself of past times when, hey, remember last round when you hit a bad shot and then it led to two bad holes? Well, let's not repeat that because if we get stuck in that bad shot, then I'll often lead to another bad shot, which leads to a bad hole and then can produce several bad holes if we get stuck in that. So that reframing and reminding is really important. Uh, and then the other is process. You know, I, I think one of the easiest ways we can get out of a bad result is just getting lost in the process because you know there is a lot of space between shots but there's a lot of process that goes into executing a shot well um you have to read the lie you have to read the win you have to know what the grass is doing you have to know what your game is doing that day and how you've been swinging you have to know maybe where the momentum's at you need to know um where are the best places to uh, miss at because really golf's a game of misses how can you miss in the right spot um, and, and so all this, all this computing of information is the process uh, required to hit a good shot. And so I think it's true in any sport and in life that, that we can oftentimes get back in alignment with the right mindset by just refocusing on the process at hand. Yeah, totally. You know, and being a quarterback most of my life, um, a long time ago, uh, you talk about reading things, man, you got to read the defense and that's, mm-hmm. and that carries into life, right. It's reading the defense and man, I can't, I can't express, uh, how important the skill of reframing is. Like if you can reframe in the moment, again, in sport, in life, in relationships, man, you're, you're back in control. I always say reframe it, rename it. Mm-hmm. So in that moment, rename it, 
have a different perspective, man. And so I, I love that. Those are, those are great, um, great perspectives. Now, when you think about your career as a golfer, can you share a specific time where you had to be mentally tough? Yeah, I can, I can share a few. Um, just cause I mean, there's so many, right? right totally. <laughs> and, and really, I think we learn best through our failures. Um, and so on a meta level, I guess what I'll start with is, uh, I had to be mentally tough in transitioning out of golf because my golf career was a quote unquote failure. I didn't reach the PGA tour. I didn't get my card and accomplish what I set out to in that after four years. Um, and that's okay, right? And so that transition, I had to be mentally tough to realize that that quote unquote failure wasn't a failure. It actually gained me all the experience and knowledge that I use today in my work. Mm. Um, and so it led me to where I am today. It wasn't a failure, it was an opportunity in that. And then that took mental toughness. Um, but on, on a specific golf example, there's two that come to mind. Um, the first was uh, in a mini tour event in the Midwest on the Adams Pro Tour. Uh, I remember my parents were out watching and that, you know, that didn't happen that often anymore. So it was fun having them there. It was actually in my home state of Kansas and I was fighting to make the cut. Um, and I remember I was about halfway through my round on hole number 10 and it was a par five and I had a six iron in my hand. I hit a great drive. I was going for the green and two, you know, length is one of my strengths. So now I have a, a chance to capitalize on that. And out of the blue, I cold shank it. I, I mean, honestly, this, this doesn't, hardly ever happen, but it happens to everyone. It happens to even the best players. Like oh, yeah. you will see on Thursdays and Fridays <laughs> on the PGA tour, some guys sure. will shank it, you know? Yep. Um, and so I was just a little off balance and I shanked it straight out of bounds and had to drop another ball right there and hit the same shot. So that is the ultimate example of, okay, you just hit the worst, most embarrassing shot in golf, a shank. Now you have to drop a ball and hit the same shot within minutes, you know, yeah. of hitting it. Um, and you know, it, that is the ultimate fight of belief of saying, you know what, I know this example, I know how embarrassing I, how embarrassed I feel right now, how horrible I feel and all the negative self-talk that's going with that. And now I might miss a cut and all those things. Yeah. But how do I just get in a place where I know my body can do this? I know I've done it a million times and just try to hone in on that. And, you know, I was able to hit an okay shot. I didn't hit a great shot, but just that is the ultimate example of <laughs> like you're, you just got your world rocked by this yeah. shank and now you have to do it over again. And this pressure is even more now because of what you just did. Um, and a lot of that is that reframing the moment and tr just fighting to believe, even if you don't, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, this, you, go ahead. You know, no, keep going. I was just, I was just going to add to that is like, you're right. It doesn't matter how great you are. You're going to have those moments right? In any sport, any performance. And it's, and it's when you miss that shot and you have to step up in that moment, show up in the moment to me, yes, it's there's reframing. There's all these things that you're going to be doing and dealing with, but it's about vulnerability. Like mm -hmm. how do you fail? Like when you're in basketball, when you go zero for eight and you know, the ball's in your hand for the winning shot, you know, do you get scared and afraid and then like dish it off? So you don't want to be that guy mm -hmm. or do you step up and show up in the moment and trust yourself and trust your training because eventually just like in golf the ball the ball you're gonna hit the ball in the direction that you want it. it's gonna go in the hole but yeah. you know you, but you gotta trust that in the moment and it's hard but it is if you can show up in the moment and be vulnerable with your play and th there it is yeah that's 100 it and you know what that speaks to is the underlying fears that drive us and as you mentioned already that fear of failure 
it stems from the fear of other people, right? The fear of failure is ultimately the fear of what other people think of you when you fail. That's what failure, the fear of failure is. Right. And so by understanding that we have to be vulnerable and courageous and saying, look, I'm going to be 100% me and own 100% of my results um, and accept that. And I'm not going to care what other people think of that. That's, that's a lot of the process in overcoming those fears of failure is overcoming the fear of what other people think of you. And we all face that as human beings. We all want to play this comparison game of like better than, worse than. And, right. and sports highlights that because you reward the results. And there's, there needs to be winners. There needs to be losers. That's part of the game. Right. But we associate so much of our identity with what we do instead of who we are. And that's where we get in trouble because this fear of failure, this fear of loss of identity and that's with the transition from golf to beyond for me was that that was the key to doing it well is knowing that my identity is not a professional golfer. My identity is a human being just like yours and everyone listening to this. Yeah. And that's our core identity. And what we do is on top or attached to that is not associated directly with our identity. And so by detaching that, we can get a lot of freedom from these fears that control us or influence our play or results and unlock that freedom of full expression and ultimate performance uh, that can be our best performance because we're not inhibited or hindered by um, this chatter of what are they going to think or what do they think now that I just hit that shank like they probably think I'm a horrible golfer because you are and all you know that negative that downward yeah, spiral totally. and we and this is daily for no one's immune to this daily for all of us oh yeah you know it's I love and I say this all the time man like your sport so golf is what you do it's not who you are and we, and we talk about that, like how, how important it is to know who you are outside of sport, not only just so you can balance the highs and the lows, but also when you transition, which we can talk about in a second, out of sport, it's going to be smoother when you transition out of something that is somewhat your identity or has been, right? So, and also, who are you in the face of adversity? Because I feel like adversity really reveals who you are. And so, and I think sport helps us with, with you know, with un uncovering that. So, you know, with transition, and I talk about this a lot on the show, because I don't care if you're in high school, college, professional, Olymp Olympic level, you're going to transition at your sport. And we hear some of the transitions, they're, they're tough. Some of them are smooth. Um, how was your transition? Because when you left the sport of, of golf, man, the things you've done as far as, you know, writing books and podcasts and, and creating, you know, performance a virtual content, I can keep on going. Like you've done a lot in a short amount of time, but how was your transition out of sport and what motivated you to do all this? Yeah, well, I think I love what you highlight there that we all are gonna transition at some point. And that is so, not, it's not talked about enough. So I love that you emphasize that because the more we can talk about, the more we can be aware and conscious and ready for it. Yeah. Uh, for me, it was, I had some assistance actually by an injury. So the last year and a half of my career, I had a muscle strain in my left rhomboid that was golf specific and repeated five times every year and a half. So it was constantly on, off, on, off. And um, so I think that helped prepare me for more open handedness with like this, this may not be, I may not be even able to play pain-free golf was how I was thinking. Cause I, I, it just wasn't going away. And so um, through that time, I think, I was assisted by the injury to help me be a little bit less attached to it with my identity. Um, and I just really felt God was diversifying what I was interested in and what I was doing. I'd started the podcast at the time and uh, that was a really fun passion project with a friend. And I was just, 
I, I was kind of on this path of self-discovery of understanding myself. And as I was deciding, I, I decided originally with my investors to go for three, three and a half years and then reevaluate. And so I'd reached that point. So it was already kind of a pre-planned reevaluation time. Um, and, and as I sat with this decision of was it golf or was it something else? Um, and with all that happened with my body, I really came to this question of who have I been created, equipped and called to be? And I really uh, sat with this for a couple months and talked to friends, mentors, my team, coaches, um, meditated, prayed over it and just really tried to self-reflect on what this was. Uh, and I really outside after that time felt that I could be more effective outside the world of golf than within it. I just wasn't a golf nerd or fanatic. I, I love the game, but I'm more of a competitor and that's why I loved it. Uh, and I realized that I was so interested in so many different things that I could probably provide more value to people outside of golf than within it. And that kind of shaped my uh, decision to, to pivot. Uh, and coming out, I felt the calling to, to be a voice to the next generation, whatever that looked like. I didn't know. Um, and so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to try and bring value to other people with what I've been given. Um, and I realized that discipline was a big part of that and the mindsets of a professional athlete and the systems for performance within that. And so I just reached out to a handful of friends like, look, uh, at the time, my brother-in-law was an executive coach. So I knew a bit about the coaching space. And I was like, you know, I've got this coaching practice I have an idea for and would love to just test it on you and walk alongside you. And, and so they did that for about five months with a handful of friends and, and then turned that into a practice and a business. And then that's been a large part of the journey. And and with that, the book was really interesting that the original idea for my first book was um, on the plane to Thailand, I was playing in the Asian tour qualifier and my injury had kind of re-aggravated right before I left. I couldn't, you know, just cancel it because I wouldn't get any of my money back. So I had to go try, but I knew in my heart, I probably wouldn't be able to compete. And so on that plane, I was thinking, man, if I can't repay my investors and sponsors for what they've given me and in the gift of giving me this pursuit of professional golf, what could I do for them? What could I give them in return? And, and this idea for a book came from that. It was like, what if I wrote a book about what this journey has taught me and gave that to them as a thank you? Uh, and so that was the original idea. That's cool. And, and then fast forward six months later, when the injury repeated, I was in Kansas rehabbing. I was like, you know, I'm not going to sit on my butt and just rehab and practice putting and chipping. I'm going to write this book. Uh, and so for three months, I puked out or two months, I puked out this draft. It was horrible. <laughs> uh, and 18 months later, it turned into uh, my first book from here to there. And it was just a really beautiful journey that that ended up turning into more of a pursuit of a book about the pursuit of individual excellence in any field based on my journey in golf. And, and that kind of opened up a whole new realm of speaking and writing that I've really enjoyed and um, I, I'm just super grateful for those opportunities. You know, you talked about self-discovery. Um, you know, it took me two decades and I added, I dealt with a season ending injury in college when I was playing football, but it took me a long time to get ready for that self-discovery. And, um, and some people, when they go through that process, it's scary because when they go inward, they, you know, they have to kind of face some stuff. Um, I know that the last six, seven years of my life, since I started that self-discovery and I've been on this path and this, you know, playing a, my life is a, I call it a playing a bigger game. Man, it's been awesome. It's, it's been, it's been great. Um, what was it like for you when you had to go inside and you're doing this self-discovery? Was it, was it, was it enjoyable? Was it scary? Did you deal with some, some tough stuff? 
Totally. Uh, you know, it's funny because I think we are all forced into it. I don't know if we, I, I don't know of too many people that choose it for themselves. And, and what I say is like, right. like you said, I, I think I was forced into it just like we all are in that sense that it's through hardship, it's through adversity, it's through getting shooken and woken up in a sense. Right. Um, and so for me, it was in college, really, it was when the first uh, kind of shaking happened. I was a t- captain of the golf team as a junior, and I made a bunch of decisions in my junior year over spring break that broke school rules and stuff like that, and it ended up coming out um, right before nationals, which you had qualified for. And long story short, it basically, I had lived kind of a double life. I'm a Christian, and, and I've been living in a way that I didn't believe uh, was right, and but saying another thing, and that kind of came out about seven years later, <laughs> the cumulative effect of that. And Got and it. so it's just kind of one of those things like, look, you've been living living hypocritically. Uh, you're not in alignment with who you say you are. You're not living with integrity. And now you have an opportunity to do so is what it was. But it was a life altering moment of like, wow, you know, now I have to choose whether it's this or this I want. Um, and just by then living in alignment with what I believe and and what I'm about has made a huge difference. But that was a huge shaking point that broke a lot of trust with all the people I love and um, really taught me firsthand the damage caused by a lack of integrity in life and in living with what we believe to be true and in alignment with that. And so um, I think that was the first that came with a lot of pain. And, and honestly, on the mental side, it, it took me probably five steps back in my golf game and mental, mental performance specifically, because now wow. I had to relearn more authentically what that looked like to compete with a, a more aligned identity, I guess. Um, yeah. And so it was a new, it was a new arena mentally that, that, that definitely hurt my performance for a couple of years. Um, so that was quite uh, a wake up. And the second, uh, the second one of that was with um, the journey of coming out of golf, I think is the identity part of it, right? Like we've talked about some, but, but you have to, you have to sit with yourself and say, look, like, I have these other friends that I went to college with and that I know, and they've been on career tracks for four or five years now, and I'm starting from zero basically. Right. right. And, and that's disheartening it's disillusioning and they have big bank accounts and they have all this stuff. And I you know, don't have any of that. And so, you know, you sit with like, what is, what is my true worth and value as a person? And where do I place that in? Is that placed in uh, from the culture or from what other people think, or, or do I create that? And so there was a whole nother layer of that self-discovery that again, I was, I was forced into right. um, more, more than not um, more than I chose. And so it has been, and now, you know, the newest one for me is, is marriage. I just got married in March. And so now I'm like this whole nother level of existing with another human and trying to, to have this union and unity together and to be connected and support each other when I'm used to living, you know, on my own, by myself, for my own agenda. And that's a whole different uh, paradigm. And so it's a whole nother layer and it's beautiful. It's just each layer has its own challenges and growth opportunities within it. Man. I I love that, man. Like the, the whole, the self-discovery process, you're right. Like we're forced in it. There's certain things that happen that I kind of jar us or wake us up. For me, when I had to do mine and I had to sit there and crack open my chest and just really do some work, um, and, I, and I love it that I went through this and I teach this a lot, is 
when we go, when we're ready for that self-discovery, when we're ready to change habits and, and change stuff, change our behaviors, instead of saying like, I have to do that, I get to. And it's a, when you go on this journey and you explore yourself and you, you're getting to do it, it's like, it's a whole different experience and, and you're creating a completely different paradigm. And it's, um, I don't know, for me, getting to do a lot of the stuff that's hard. And then at the end of it, when I get through it, I'm like, wasn't that hard? You know, it's all that story I was creating, but it's just getting to that, that place and in, in life where you get to do stuff has been, it's been remarkable. It is. And then all of life is a gift. And that's really what life is. Life is a gift. If we think about it, it's an endless opportunity. There's always an opportunity for more. There's always something that's going to happen and we get to choose what we do with it. Um, and, and so that's such a sweet perspective like you share. And, and it shows the power of language that language is generative, right? Oh, that man. it creates. So we need to be careful with the language we're using. Have I have to do this or I get to do this? I mean, just one word can change the entire scope of that. Totally, man. Totally. Well, since I I feel like we're we're both like coaching each other, which I love. This is why I love (laughs) doing this, you know, and and selfishly, I get a front row seat to to people's stories. So this is like, yeah, I love this stuff. But so outside of being a podcast host and an author uh, and now a husband, um, your performance coaching. And I love this because I think these three pillars that you talk about are so important in coaching and development, but it's so important right now, like Mm -hmm. with the pandemic, because we're so disconnected and we're so there's fear-based thinking out there. Um, Your three pillars is connect, collaborate, and inspire. Can you elaborate on that a little bit and kind of share with my listeners like why those are your three pillars? Totally. You know, it really came coming out of golf. Like what do, what is like the core of what I want this new work and brand identity to be when I was working on that, like identity work is what often is. If you work in branding or anything, there's identity work and there's, it's kind of interesting, the language that's used. It's kind of what it is. And I realized that like, that's what I want this to be all about. It's connecting with other people like you or the people listening. It's collaborating and, and doing work together and then it's ultimately inspiring by the results that come from that is by living a life worthy of inspiration. And so it, what, what I love about that is it is a um, it's a it's a connecting thing in the sense that it can't be done by myself. I can't do it. I, I have to have other people. Um, there has to be other people involved for that to be accomplished. We can't connect collaborate or inspire on our own. Oftentimes we think we can inspire our own, but we can't. There's no, the bootstrapping myth is a myth. You can't pull yourself up on by your own bootstraps. We have to have other people helping right. us to get anything accomplished. I mean, I think the quote that I share the most when I, when I talk on interviews is just that Bill Simon said, I was born on third base and thought I hit a triple. And, and I love that quote. I think it just <laughs> is my story in the sense that Look, I didn't get to choose where I was born, the family I was born into, the opportunities I was given, the time in the world that I was born. Um, I was gifted all of that. And my responsibility is what I steward or do with that. And so um, for us to think that we can accomplish things on our own or be a self-made man or whatever, those are just naive and foolish. Uh, we, We have to have other people that we work with, that we collaborate with, that we connect with to bring out that inspiration. I love it, man. I love it. Now I'm going to give you some space here to, uh, to do a little marketing campaign, you know, brand commercial, if you will, just share with my listeners, just, um, 
your podcast, what it's all about, your books, um, your company. I want them to get more familiar with, with what you're doing and what you have been doing. Thank you. Yeah. The up and comer show is a podcast. It's all about uh, the process of becoming, being an up and comer and learning how to live a good life, uh, which we believe takes living with intentionality, a, a reason why. And, and it's living in the spaces of tension and doing that well. Um, so we do long form interviews as well. And that's a, you can find more on the up and comer show uh, at the up and comer show.com. Um, and that's been a really fun four year journey. Cool. As you know, podcasts are just a, a great medium. Oh, yeah. um, and then all the other stuff I do is at famemarcus.com. That's the headquarters for all I do. And um, the books, uh, the, I've got two out now. The second one's Catalyst for Hope. And I've been offering it for free on my website just because I think this year hope is uh, an essential element. And there's way more hopelessness than, than ever before. So I just want people to have that as a resource. Um, uh, and that's thamemarcus.com slash hope. Uh, but the thing that I'm probably most excited about right now is uh, Thane Marcus Academy, as I'm calling it, which is my two online courses uh, that are coming out. And probably by the time this aired, we'll be out uh, on developing discipline and on growing self-awareness. They're both eight-week courses that will help people do just that. They're simple, but practical and applicable processes and tools for people to grow in those two arenas that I really believe are the, the core competencies for self-leaders. And, and really what I'm all about is generating more self-leaders for me and for others. Like I need to start with me first, right? If oh, I'm yeah. not leading myself well, then I sure. can't lead others well. And that's why self-leadership is the number one priority. Um, and I think the two core competencies of that are awareness, self-awareness, being able to know what we need to take ownership for. If we, if we can't even be aware of what we need to take ownership for or what we're not taking ownership for, yeah. then we won't be able to do that. And discipline, obviously, our default in life is, is taking the path of least resistance. We will always default going downstream. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we all do it. So to go upstream, we have to have effort and intention, meaning discipline. That's the only way we go upstream. We have to choose to go upstream and then make the effort to start rowing. <laughs> exactly. Um, exactly. And so discipline is just a non-negotiable. Uh, and so I, I, I'm just all about that. And, and I really... Um, want to encourage and empower others to keep moving forward and embracing that as well. Beautiful. And what about social media? Where can they reach you on social media? At Thane Marcus on the socials or at Up and Comer Show uh, as a podcast. But yeah, I'd love to have people connect on there and pretty active um, on Twitter and Instagram so or LinkedIn, I guess. There you go. Cool. Well, before we we sign off here, I love this question and I say this all the time just because, you know, when we're, when we reflect on our career and our experiences, that's, that's where we grow. And, um, and when you think about reflecting on your whole career, you know, as an athlete, as a coach, what do you think you've learned the most about yourself? Hmm. That, I, that I get so wrapped up in, um, the thing itself that I often miss the people involved. And so I think the thing that I have to work on the most is um, understanding that people are more important than whatever the thing it is. Um, and so I, I just want to make space to really value other people um, and care and, and support and connect with them um, along the way, even in the busyness of life, because busyness is no excuse for anything. We choose that. Oh, and yeah. so I want to choose to not be busy. I want to choose to be present. Um, and that's a hard thing. It's still a hard thing for me. Um, and so I think when I look back and I think about 
um, the journey of golf uh, and my whole life, you know, the thing that's been the most impactful is the people that have filled my life. And I want to uh, be an impactful person. So that means I need to be present with the people in my life. I love it, man. You know, it's if you want to be present, you want to be in the here and now or the now, you got to train it. it. It doesn't, there's no switch. There is actually, you can create a mental switch to get present, but you got to train it. And, uh, and also being in service, man, like I, I can feel your, your, your energy towards that, you know, within that role. And I think that to me, the best role in the whole world, I don't care CEO, quarterback, caddy, I don't care what it's being in service when you're in service and you're present to it. Talk about like feeling a frequency. Um, it's just a, it's a beautiful thing. So, mm. so thing, man, thank you so much for being on my show, man. This is great, man. And, and you've got an awesome mind and awesome heart. And I really appreciate what you're doing. And uh, hopefully we can have you on the show. And you know, when you write your next book. <laughs> Thanks, Grant. It's been a lot of fun. And I definitely um, see a lot of symmetry. And it's just fun to be around alongside others who are doing the work and on the journey. Uh, so it's been a pleasure. Beautiful. Thanks, man. Cheers.